And there's intimacy on the radio, and there's naturalness on the radio that can never be replicated on TV. The marvelous resurgence of radio as a political force in this country. News-related radio programming is evolving. There's a huge hole in our dialogue that can be filled by the synthesis of traditional radio and the freedom that comes from a live podcast. You're about to experience Cowboy State Politics Live. Here we go. And welcome to yet another mind-blowing installment of Cowboy State Politics Live. From high above all other puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns, in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Well, good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. Before we get started, a couple of program notes. It would appear that this program is being shadow banned a little bit on Facebook. Now, I don't get too concerned. I mean, it's the majority of people that listen to Cowboy State Politics don't even listen to it from Facebook. It's usually some app like iTunes or Podbean or one of those. But the way that you can be sure to not miss a single episode of Cowboy State Politics is to subscribe to the program, either in Podbean or in iTunes or iHeartRadio or any one of those. If you want to keep updated up to the minute of exactly what I'm doing and what I'm up to, you need to subscribe to it in Podbean. And the way that you do that is just click on any episode, and in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see a link that says subscribe. Now, uh, you probably have to download one of the apps, like I mentioned, either iTunes or Podbean or or one of those to get uh, notices on your phone. But make sure that you want to do that. And that way that we can we can uh, circumvent any attempt to shadow ban the program. Well, I've got a great show planned for you. The Casper Star Tribune, uh, the Cowboy, the the Pravda on the Platts got a number of articles related to the GOP. And wouldn't you know, they're entirely misleading. And then we're going to talk about this guy that thinks he's going to run for president and get elected simply because of what his last name is. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that you don't know about Robert F. Kennedy Jr., but I'm going to tell you about it. So we begin with the Pravda on the Platte. I just love that. It's entirely appropriate. In an article that was published in this morning's edition of the Red Star, entitled, GOP Wants Lawmaker Punished, and I quote, 
The Wyoming Republican Party chairman, Frank Ethorn, requested in a Monday letter to Wyoming Speaker of the House that Laramie Democrat Representative Carly Provenza be stripped of her committee assignments for posting a meme over the weekend that was criticized inciting inviting violence. Quote, the Wyoming Republican Party requests that the minority whip be stripped of all committee assignments as this president exists in the Wyoming legislature as an appropriate response to other allegedly threatening behavior by legislators. Ethorn wrote, the meme, which Provenza shared Saturday on Instagram in recognition of Friday's International Transgender Day of Visibility. Uh, here's another example of the Red Star not telling you the truth. The International Transgender Day of Visibility's name was changed to the Interna International Transgender's Day of Vengeance. Hmm, interesting. Uh, I don't think that it's a, a coincidence at all that Carly Provenza chose that particular day to post that particular meme, which, by the way, was accompanied uh, by a picture of what appeared to be an older transgender man holding what I think was an AK-47. It's hard to tell with these leftist types. They really have no understanding what guns are, but it looked like an AK-47. Anyway, it depicts an older woman, man, pointing a scoped rifle with the caption, Antifa says, protect trans folks against fascists and bigots. The woman is wearing the colors of the transgender flag. Now, uh, just to catch you up, if you missed uh, previous episodes of the program, that meme was posted not six days after a radical transgender activist mowed down six people, including children. In fact, the last four school shooters have been transgender. I'm sure that's just a coincidence and it has nothing to do with any of the rhetoric that you've been hearing. Certainly not from Representative Carly Provenza. Now, Carly Provenza, if, and again, if you missed the program, has a long history of posting incendiary tweets. There was one of them she posted from the, uh, uh, from the Satanic Temple and another one saying that she wanted to kill everyone. I'm not even kidding. Go back and listen to Wednesday's installment of the program. There's audio there from it. Now, what's interesting about this article is Speaker of the House Albert Somers is not going to do anything with Ethorn's letter for a number of reasons. First of all, he can't risk his majority. See, if he alienates Carly Provenza, that's one more vote that he's not going to have during the budget session. And so if you don't know, Wyoming has two, allegedly, two sessions of the legislature. There's the general session, and then there's the uh, budget session. During the budget session, any measure that is not directly related to the budget has to have a two-thirds majority. Now, right now, in the Wyoming House of Representatives, there are 26 conservatives, 31 redcoats, and five Democrats. Albert Somers can't risk having the majority because if he alienates Carly Provenza, she'll that radical will most likely start voting with the conservatives. I know it's strange, but Carly Provenza is nothing if not strategic. There was a particular uh, uh, bill. It was the it was House Bill 152, the Life is a Human Right Act, in which Carly Provenza attempted to add an amendment to it to ban the death penalty. And as shocking though it may seem, she made a very credible argument for it. In fact, it almost passed the legislature. So Carly Provenza is not above acting strategic in anything that she wants to do. And if it serves her purposes, she would absolutely vote with the, with the Republicans on a given measure, thus thwarting anything that Albert Somers wanted to do. Second, the second reason that Albert Somers isn't going to do anything with this letter is Albert Somers is a leftist. He is not going to jeopardize his leftist position. 
Every single year that Albert Somers has been in the Wyoming legislature, he is ranked near the bottom on any ratings website as for his conservatism. Albeit, though, he told all of his constituents that he was a conservative, and that's mainly why a bunch of people voted for him. But Albert Somers is the last, the, the one of the least conservative members in the legislature. So he's not going to, uh, he's not going to chastise Carly Provenza, nor is he going to remove her from important committees. Uh, one of those which he sits on is the Judiciary Committee. Now, un unbeknownst to Albert Somers and just about everybody else, um, there was a number of measures that were initially killed in the Judiciary Committee, even though the Redcoats have a majority. So he's not going to risk yet another vote in an influential committee. So even though uh, Speaker Ethorn's letter was well-intentioned, and certainly he should have sent it, it's not really going to have any effect whatsoever. Another article in the Casper Star Tribune this morning relates to how the uh, how the GOP is going to hold their state central committee in Jackson. And the, the Casper Star Tribune asserts that the reason why a meeting hasn't been held in Jackson is because, you know, they're just full of a bunch of rhinos and nobody wants to go there. Well, that's not true at all. The truth is, Jackson is a really long way away from just about everywhere else. Secondly, it's a really expensive place to hold a meeting. And third, the truth is, a lot of members of the, a lot of more conservative members in the GOP really do want to go to Jackson because the Teton County GOP has been doing a lot of good work. However, there is a bigger reason um, to consider why perhaps the GOP hasn't held a meeting there. Like I said, they've wanted to. But one of the reasons is the Teton County GOP is full of a bunch of rhinos. It's absolutely true. A great example of that is the episode I did after uh, the Charlie Kirk appearance in Jackson. One of the members of the Teton County Central Committee uh, had, I don't know what you want to call it, but an outburst in response to, um, to Charlie Kirk. In the middle of his presentation, this lady was mouthing the words F you to Charlie Kirk, and he called her out for it. But it's a fascinating exchange, and you should really go back and listen to that episode. I believe it was called uh, Charlie Kirk in Jackson. A, a, a fascinating talk he gave, but uh, as I said, one of the most interesting parts of it is the lady that tried to call him out. And as a general rule and a piece of advice, if there's somebody that has a microphone, it's probably not a good idea to tick them off while they're speaking, because it's going to be directed like precisely right at you. There's a lot of people that I know, one of which happens to be listening to the program that would do that very thing. And if there was a, if there was a chance to uh, call out somebody or, you know, for, uh, to correct them in the middle of a meeting, they would absolutely do that. So this woman was absolutely nuts. Anyway, go back and listen to that from the red star. And I quote in, in an article entitled Wyoming GOP convention to be in Jackson. And I quote, after being boxed out of organizing the state Republican convention for years, by the way, it's not the state convention, it's a state central committee meeting, GOP delegates from Wyoming's most liberal county have successfully landed a chance to host their party's central committee elections. Returning to Jackson for the first time in over a decade for the convention, Republican delegates are braced for a leadership showdown. <laughs> not really. Uh, counties across the state have reported big shakeups in recent Central Committee elections. Establishment conservatives have formed the, quote, Wyoming caucus to respond to the far-right Freedom Caucus voting bloc. In now, this is fascinating. 
About 75% of the votes in this year's legislative session ended in a count of 36 to 26. 26 conservatives, 36 redcoats. Now, everybody in the media is accusing the Freedom Caucus, the 26 conservatives, of voting as a block, as if that's a bad thing. But they never mentioned the other 36 representatives that voted as a block repeatedly. So apparently, it's a bad thing if conservatives vote together. It's entirely appropriate if redcoats vote together. Anyway, back to the article. 69 Republican leaders will also vote on the party's policies. It's not 69. I believe it's 72. Anyway, which often become priorities at the state capitol, where 91% of lawmakers are Republican. Okay, yeah, I guess technically speaking, 91% of lawmakers are Republican, but that's only because 31 of them only register as Republicans so that they can get, get elected. Now, I should point you to three ratings websites, all of which have their legislative rankings out. Uh, Wyo Rhino, Wyo Vote, and Evidence-Based Wyoming. All of them show consistently that there are 31 members of the House of Representatives that are entirely liberal. In fact, there's a huge chasm between the folks that are conservative and the folks that vote on the more liberal side of things. In fact, the difference is 180 degrees. Now, if you look at a lot of, um, you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of the votes, even ones that you and I would consider to be reasonable, um, they all ended up 36, 26. Now, the GOP actually held a meeting in Jackson in 2016 when then chairman Matt Michaelide denied the body the right to vote on the legitimacy of seating Joe McGinley and illegitimately and unilaterally overruled the voice of the Natrona County Central Committee. Now, so it hasn't really been that long since we held a meeting in Jackson, but it has been, well, let's see here, four, seven years. So it's been a while. Now, there's a lot of places in the state that haven't had a central committee meeting. In fact, there was one in uh, Johnson County not that long ago. And I think the one like previously, it was 2015 since a meeting had been held there. But in, in any case, it's not that big a news that the Wyoming GOP is holding a meeting in Jackson. What is interesting is that there is kind of a Republican resurgence happening in Teton County. Back to the article. Delegates from the Teton from Teton County said former interim Secretary of State Carl Allred, he wasn't the interim Secretary of State, we don't have that position, he was the Secretary of State, single-handedly blocked Teton County's bid from being considered to host the state convention. It's not a convention, it's a state central committee, which traditionally doubles as a fundraiser for the host county GOP. Now, what the article is not telling you is um, out of all of the counties in Wyoming, Teton County is the one that needs a fundraiser the least. I was at their Patriot dinner, if that's what they were calling it. There was a tremendous amount of money raised there. There are other numerous counties in the state um, that could use a fundraiser. Niobrara comes to mind. Anyway, the rest of the article talks about how the Teton County chairman, Mary Martin, is going to run against Chairman Frank Ethorn. Now, the truth is, there isn't any high likelihood that Chairman Ethorn isn't going to be reelected. Now, the media wants you to believe that, but the truth is far from it. Chairman Ethorn is very popular in the state central committee meeting, and I have no doubt that he's going to be going to be elected. After the break, we're going to talk about the new guy that has thrown it, thrown his hat into the ring to run for president. 
Now, the media is trying to tell you that he's a conservative. He's he's nothing of the sort, and he's nowhere close to it. And we'll do that after the break. But first, an absolutely obscene moment of self-aggrandizement. Cowboy State Politics is your source for fair, true journalism in the state of Wyoming. I know it's crazy to think that the most conservative state in the country only has one really conservative news outlet, and you're listening to it. Now, you can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps, iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com. There, you can find all of the shows, as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If you're one of these guys that thinks that you're informed because you pay attention to the Wyoming press, well, what you need to do is go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, pull up an article, and educate yourself, and find out that you've been wrong all along. Yeah, I know. It's probably going to hurt your feelings, but sometimes that's necessary. Just ask the Redcoats. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And then every Thursday at 10 a.m., Cowboy State Politics Live. You know, the program you're listening to right now. I cover mostly national issues on the Thursday program. You know, the stuff that we don't get to at other points during the week. You can find the link to the live program at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. So, check out all the Cowboy State Politics episodes every single week. And now, back to the program. Yesterday, from Fox News, in an article entitled Biden Gets Another Democrat Challenger as Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Files to Run for President. Kennedy is the son of former United States Attorney Robert Kennedy and the nephew of JFK. And I quote, President Biden has another Democratic challenger vying for the presidency following Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s filing paperwork with the FEC on Wednesday. Kennedy, the son of former United States Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy and the nephew of late former President JFK, uh, is now the second Democrat to toss his hat into the race for the White House, joining spiritual advisor and author Marianne Williamson in seeking the party's nomination. A Kennedy advisor wouldn't independently confirm his candidacy, but told Fox News Digital that the campaign will issue a statement tomorrow. Now, the reason why the media thinks, including Fox News, by the way, the reason that the media thinks that this is big news is anything with the name Kennedy associated with it. Well, they have to be a good a good guy, just like JFK was and maybe a good guy like Teddy Kennedy was. Anyway, back to the article. And I quote. Kennedy, a former environmental lawyer who describes himself as a lifelong Democrat, has faced criticism for his activism against the covid-19 vaccine. It sparked speculation about a potential White House run by visiting, he sparked attention by visiting New Hampshire, which for a, cent, for a century has held the first primary in the presidential race. Quote, 
I'm thinking about it, and I've passed the biggest hurdle, which is my wife <laughs> has greenlighted it, Kennedy said, Kennedy said at an event at the New Hampshire Institute of Politics, which for more than two decades has been a must-stop for actual or potential presidential contenders from both major parties. So your first clue on this should be environmental lawyer. You see, Robert Kennedy has been an activist for quite some time. Anything to do with the environment. Now, he he clouds that with his, his advocacy for clean waters. Now, obviously, we all want clean waters, don't we? we? We need to drink water and we need to fish in it. So why wouldn't that be a good thing? The second thing that you should keep in mind is he's a lifelong Democrat. My friends, this country is at a crossroads. We can't afford another, another Democrat in the White House. If our country is not already over the tipping point, it will be then. Just think of the damage that the Biden administration has done in the last two years. Later on in the program, we're going to talk about what, he's, what they've been doing to the dollar, which should terrify everybody. Uh, we've talked about that a lot on the program, but there's been some new developments this last week. So we can't afford, literally, to have another Democrat in the White House. I don't care who it is because you can't trust them. And I'm going to tell you <laughs> when I get to this next little piece of information, it's going to make it abundantly clear to you. But the media wants to paint Robert F. Kennedy as more cons the more conservative uh, Democrat variety, kind of like Joe Manchin. You know, he's moderate. You know, he's reasonable. Keep in mind that it was Joe Manchin that helped push through some of the biggest bills that have been passed recently in, in the Wyoming Congress. Think about it. The Inflation Reduction Act, which, of course, had nothing to do with inflation and had everything to do with massive amounts of spending, which contributed to every, every inflationary thrust that you're feeling every single day when you go to the store. Back to the article. Quote, Ahead of the DNC's final approval of the schedule, Kennedy wrote an open letter to the committee urging members to keep New Hampshire in the first spot because of the state's long history of advocating for civil rights and election transparency. You see, this article is full of a whole bunch of buzzwords that should, that should set, your, uh, <laughs> set your hair on fire. Civil rights and election transparency. Let's take the first one. Now, all of this transgender theology, which, by the way, that's what you should call it. It's not an ideology anymore. It's a theology. But all of this is being shrouded by this idea of civil rights. You know, you, you see activists all the time say that trans rights are civil rights. Trans rights are human rights and civil rights. Well, of course they are. But if you look, look at the Wyoming Constitution, I mean, it, it probably makes it more clear than any other, like even in the U.S. Constitution, that all members of the human race are equal. But when the left talks about civil rights, they don't mean civil rights for you. They mean civil rights for everybody else. They intend to create another class of citizen and protect those rights against you, namely conservatives. Another article from Bright Row from The Blaze, quote, Man from famous political dynasty poised to run for president as a Democrat, FEC filings indicate. Quote, a statement of candidacy Robert F. Kennedy has filed with the Federal Election Commission indicates that he is poised to enter the 2024 presidential race as a Democrat. Again, your first red flag. Kennedy, who is a nephew of Democratic President JFK, had previously indicated that he was mulling a White House bed. Quote, and I want you to listen to this very carefully. Quote, if it looks like I can raise the money and mobilize enough people to win, I'll jump in the race. If I want win, my top priority 
All right. Now, listen to this. My top priority will be to end the corporate merger between state and corporate power that has ruined our economy, shattered the middle class, polluted, and here's the important part, polluted our landscapes and waters, poisoned our children, and robbed us of our values and freedom. Together, we can restore America's democracy. You see, what I'm telling you here is that statement from Robert F. Kennedy is full of all sorts of cover words. All of these Democrats want to say that we're protecting American democracy, when the truth is we don't live in a democracy. We live in a representative republic. The reason why they want you to believe we live in a democracy is so that they can give voting rights to a whole bunch of people that don't deserve them, non-citizens, etc., and so that the Democrat Party can remain in power in perpetuity. Now, uh, Robert F. Kennedy has a long history of Democrat causes. Now, there's this fantastic website called Influence Watch. And if you if you haven't looked at it, you really should. It's it's one of those websites that will give you a whole bunch of rabbit holes that you can get lost in. But there's <laughs> there's a particular entry about Robert F. Kennedy. He started what is called Waterkeeper Alliance. In fact, he's the he's the head of it, the CEO or whatever they call it. Now, the Waterkeeper Alliance is another one of these environmental activist groups. We should be used to those those people in Wyoming. There's a slew of them, most of whom are funded by Liz Store. I'm still working on that project, by the way. Um, you know, when I get enough of it put together, we're going to have a huge expose on what she's done with all of these quote unquote conservation groups. But let me just quote to you from Influence Watch. Quote, Waterkeeper Alliance, started by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in 1999, focuses, focuses on enforcing environmental laws and preventing pollution, often with aggressive campaigns that have included lawsuits against small farmers. Oh, that's fantastic. The alliance has grown into a network of nearly 300 member groups, which in turn connect with other like-minded groups on the local level to accomplish its goals. The Alliance calls itself the biggest and quickest growing nonprofit whose primary focus is clean water or swimmable, drinkable, fishable water everywhere. Critics say the Alliance is a thinly veiled cover for trial attorneys seeking big money payouts from those they accuse of causing environmental damage. Again, the Waterkeeper Alliance is just another one of these huge, huge uh, conservation groups, well, they call themselves conservation groups, but they really have nothing to do with that. And really, it's a front to push the Green New Deal. In fact, if you go down on the uh, Influence Watch uh, website, let me tell you about some of the things that they've done. Now, this is a fantastic group. And remember, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he's a good guy, just like his old uncle JFK. Quote, in 2001, Waterkeeper Alliance led a litigation attack on hog farms. The alliance formed a team of 19 attorneys from around the country to file a series of federal and state environmental lawsuits against major pork producers in the early 2000s. Each of the 13 firms involved kicked in $50,000 to fund the effort. But it doesn't end there. Smithfield Farms proved to be another target for Kennedy's attorney, his whole pack of attorneys. They, in a federal suit in Tampa, Florida, they accused producers of violating the Racketeer-Influenced Corrupt Organizations Act. Now, this one actually might have a little bit of effort, because if you didn't know, there's a, only a very, very small group of big meat packers and processors in the United States. I think there's only four of them, and Smithfield Farms is one of them. Now, in Wyoming, if you're an agricultural 
producer, uh, cattle, sheep, any sort of agriculture, you understand how difficult it is to make money with these big four um, big four meat packers because they set the prices. They pay livestock producers a very, very small amount of money, and then they charge us through the nose to eat a steak. So, you know, this is one of those organizations that may do some good things, but in truth, its overall mission is to support, you know, environmental causes like the Green New Deal. The Waterkeeper Alliance pushed a Pure Farms, Pure Waters campaign against what it called a failure to regulate pollution from industrialized swine, poultry, and dairy facilities that is devastating rivers, lakes, and estuaries. But that effort has been fraught with controversy and plenty of headaches for small farmers. See, the problem here is when you push environmental regulations that are ostensibly for large agricultural producers, it necessarily has effect has an effect on smaller producers, like a whole bunch of them in the state of Wyoming. We hear uh, Representative Hageman talk about it all of the time, how there's been numerous ways the state of Wyoming has fought against all of these environmental regulations. One of the most prominent ones that she talks about all the time is the RFID tags on cattle um, that we were able to defeat. So then there's another one that Kennedy's group sued, Purdue Farms. Opponents of the alliance's efforts say the group overreached in its federal lawsuit against Purdue Farms, a major poultry producer, and the family farm of Kristen and Alan Hudson in Berlin, Maryland, that included Maryland's then-governor, Martin O'Malley, who said the case, which involved the University of Maryland's Environmental Law Clinic. You notice these words keep popping up all of the time? Environmental law, environmental pollution, environmental protection. You notice that comes up all over the time, all over the place when you're talking about Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Anyway, there's another one. In recent years, his group has influenced uh, major efforts on, here you go, climate change. He's a big proponent of climate change, which tells you that you should run away from him scared. In December, in December of 2016, it submitted a petition along with the Pace Environmental Litigation Clinic to the EPA, calling for it to end all of its federal contracts with ExxonMobil. <laughs> so not only is it is it not just uh, agriculture, now it's oil and gas, which, need I remind you, is yet another one of Wyoming's giant, giant resources where we pretty much get all of our money. Not all of it, but most of it. But the, the list of the list of lawsuits that Robert F. Kennedy has filed against agricultural producers and oil and gas goes on and on. And if you, if you want to go to the website and look it up, in fact, I'll put a link to this page at CowboysStatePolitics.com so that you can read it for yourself. Let's take another break. And after, after it, I'm going to give you the largest reason why you should completely ignore anything that Robert F. Kennedy says. And in fact, you should probably campaign against him. And we'll do that after the break. If you've lived in Wyoming for any length of time, you know that that white stuff is not done flying around even though it's April. You are still, on occasion, going to have to get out and shovel the walk. And at other times, it might be 70 degrees and you'll have to go out and start getting the yard ready. Either way, you need to take care of your feet while you're doing it. The Buffalo Wool Company makes the most amazing socks that I've ever worn. 
They'll keep you warm in the winter and dry in the summer. And they have a wide variety of different socks. They've got some crew socks for if you wear tennis shoes or all the way up to boot socks. So it doesn't really matter what you're doing outside during this Wyoming spring. You should probably be wearing a pair of Buffalo Wool Company socks. Go to their website, thebuffalowoolco.com, and take care of those feet of yours, because they certainly take care of you. As you no doubt are keenly aware, I'm a fan of just about any Wyoming company. Just about, I said. And one of them you should really check out is New Trend Hats. They're a company that's based in Kemmerer. They make those hats with a really cool ponytail hole on top of them. And right now, they have a wide selection of hats for both men and women. Being as cold as it is, you definitely don't want your ears to get cold either. So go check out New Trend Hats. I'm sure you'll find one to keep those ears of yours nice and toasty warm. That's New Trend Hats. And now, back to the program. With just about all of these climate groups, you need, to, you need to look into them. If you see the word climate, climate change, environmental, any of that, you need to do your research because most of them have ties to just about every other radical group in the country. And Robert F. Kennedy is no different. If you scroll down on the Influence Watch page, and again, you, need, you really need to check this out, one of his related profiles is called the Chesapeake Climate Action Network. I wonder what that is. The Chesapeake Climate Action Network is a Kettle Area chapter of the United States Climate Action Network and Climate Action Network International. And it was founded in 2000, uh, 2002 with a seed grant from the Rockefeller Brothers Foundation. This outfit has spent time lobbying Washington politicians. In 2015, the organization hired lobbyist Kenneth Forsberg to lobby in support of H.R. 1027, the Healthy Climate and Family Security Act. I'll give you two guesses what that thing did. Exactly what exactly the opposite of what they claim. So all of these people, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. included, have ties everywhere when to the Environmental Climate Change Network. Now, down at the bottom of the page, on all of these profiles, and, and if you wanted to know, I get a lot of information from Influence Watch. There's profiles on all sorts of different, uh, different politicians and groups, usually the ones that have really nice-sounding names, uh, real flowery ones. You can find a profile on here, and they'll tell you exactly who, who is behind all of these organizations. And if you scroll down to the bottom, they always have a little space that's called Donor Organizations. Now, this, these are organizations that have given money to um, to waterkeepers or Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And down at the bottom is the Tides Foundation. Now, if you've forgotten who the Tides Foundation is, that's spooky dude himself, George Soros. Their major funder is George Soros's Open Society Institute. Anywhere you see that name, you should run away as fast as you possibly can. So think about that. Not only do we have a Soros-backed prosecutor who, quote, unquote, indicted former President Trump this past week, we also now have a presidential candidate who is backed by George Soros. Wouldn't that be fantastic? And here's the irony about it. Robert, Robert F. Kennedy probably doesn't need George Soros's money for anything, not his organization, a run for president, or anything of the sort. And yet, here he is taking money from George Soros. 
That is everything you need to know about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Now, again, I posted a link to this, or I will post a link to this at CowboyStatePolitics.com um, so that you can read it all for yourself. Now, uh, now an update from the quote-unquote indictment. Now, the reason I say that you should put indictment in quotations is, according to Webster's 1828 Dictionary, an indictment lists list the specific charge that the, the, what somebody is specifically being charged with. That is the crime that they broke, right? And an indictment is a list of these are all of the things that we're accusing you of. And these are the laws that you are broke, that you broke. Now the indictment against president Trump, it lists all of these financial crimes. And then it, they all have a phrase in them that says something to the effect of in furtherance of a second crime. Now, that is the felony that they're trying to talk about. But the indictment never lists what the second crime is. Therefore, there is no crime in the indictment. From Breitbart.com, in an article entitled, Of Course Bragg's Office Lead, Led Leaked Trump Indictment to a Deep State Stooge. Now, see, the all of these all of these deep state people in in our government have their favorite pigeons that they that they give information to. This one you'll find you should remember. Quote, the corrupt and fascist deep state can always count on Yahoo's Michael Isakoff to serve as its stenographer. For obvious reasons, leaking anything involving a grand jury is illegal. Nevertheless, someone in the Manhattan District Attorney's Attorney Alvin Bragg's office leaked 34 felony a 34 felony count indictment against former President Trump to Isakoff on Monday. And like the good doggy that he is, this article is hilarious. I'll, I'll post a link to it on, on the website also. But like the good doggy he is, Isakov took dictation. Quote, the charge of falsification of business records can be prosecuted in New York State as a misdemeanor. Now, this is Isakov writing here. But Bragg's office bumped up all the charges to Class E felonies, the lowest form of felonies in New York State Penal Code, on the grounds that the conduct was intended to conceal another underlying crime, according to the source. Under New York State Penal Code, a conviction of a Class E felony of falsifying business records can result in a prison term of up to four years. But as a practical matter, that seems extremely unlikely. No one gets jail time for that as a first-time offender, said the New York law enforcement official, who will remain nameless, of course. The evidence for the underlying crime that escalated Trump's alleged misdemeanors to felonies is still not clear and won't be until the indictment is unsealed Tuesday. Well, it doesn't it wasn't even clear on Tuesday. That crime is not listed anywhere in the indictment. And therefore, the indictment really um, is uh, is not an indictment at all, at least according to the dictionary definition. Um, so Michael Isakoff, if you remember, is the guy that the Justice Department leaked illegally leaked the uh, Steele dossier to. Quote, if you recall, Isakoff proved his worthiness to the deep state back in 2016 when he was first, when he was the first quote unquote reporter to break the news about the existence of the infamous disgraced hoax known as the Russia collusion hoax by breaking the quote unquote news that Trump campaign staffer Carter Page had opened up private communications with senior Russian officials. That was a lie. It never happened. No matter, Isakov trusted his quote-unquote sources enough to write the piece in such an authoritative way that it allowed the Obama administration to obtain a FISA warrant needed to spy on the Trump campaign. So this Isakov guy is yet another, yet another stooge for the administration. Since he's so loyal and he pretty much prints anything that he's told, 
Um, you know, that's why they went to him from the very beginning. Now, here's the last paragraph, and I, I'll just read it to you because I think it's funny. Uh, laughably, more than three years later, after, long after it mattered, long after Special Prosecutor Robert Mueller had been appointed to investigate then-President Trump, Trump, Isakoff finally expressed some skepticism over the dossier. What a clown. But apparently, clowns make for good dogs. So any of this, anything that you're hearing about the, the Trump indictment or whatever alleged crimes they have against the former president is complete, 100% and total bullcrap. Now, if you've been watching the news lately, you'll realize that there is a number of things that are going on with the United States dollar that frankly should terrify you. Right now, the, the United States dollar is what's known as the world's reserve currency. And to put it simply for you, um, that just means that the rest of the world uh, does business in United States dollars. Um, so, for example, let's, let's say that you're Germany and you need to buy some oil. Well, you don't go take your German money to Saudi Arabia and buy oil. You trade your German money in for dollars and then you go buy your oil. So that allows the United States to control the, the United States dollar or the, the currency of the world. It is the world's reserve currency. And in doing so, the United States can print as much money as it wants. And if, you'll, uh, if you've been paying attention, you'll notice that we've printed a whole crap load. Now, the other night on uh, Tucker Carlson, he went into exactly what the big what the big problem is and what you should pay, be paying attention to. Now, all of these sound, I mean, it's a really long exchange, but I'm going to play a couple of them for you just so you understand exactly what we're talking about. And it's not just me saying it. So here's Tucker Carlson. For nearly 80 years since the end of the Second World War, the U.S. dollar has effectively been the currency of the world for our entire lifetimes. There was virtually no place on the entire globe you could go that would turn down a 20. Andrew Jackson's face beside the famous seal of the U.S. Treasury was probably America's best known export. From Dar es Salaam to Sri Lanka to the smallest gold mining outpost in the Amazon basin, every shopkeeper on earth recognized a $20 bill. The dollar was universal, not just universal in commerce, though the majority of international transactions were conducted in dollars, but universally held as a long-term store of value globally. The world central bank stockpiled U.S. dollars far more than any other currency. And why did they do that? Because the United States dollar was at one time the most stable currency on the planet. That way, other governments would hold U.S. dollars as a hedge. Now, you've heard that word hedge a lot. Now, a lot of people tell you that you should hold gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Why is that? Because gold and silver have intrinsic worth to them. That means that no matter what else is going on in the world, there has never been a time that gold and silver did not have value. And that's the same thing that a lot of countries thought about the United States dollar, because it was the world's reserve currency. And of course, the United States would never manipulate its money. They would never do that. And so countries around the world could invest in dollars and hold them just in the exact same way that a lot of countries hold gold now like we should be doing and like you should be doing. Here's the next piece of that Tucker Carlson bit. Because there were so many U.S. dollars in circulation outside of the country, the cost of borrowing money inside the country remained artificially low. And that's one of the reasons that in this country, America, middle class people could buy their own homes. 
The U.S. government, meanwhile, was able to run up astronomical debts without many obvious consequences. Now, from time to time, the Congress would debate something called the debt ceiling, but it was abstract. For most people, the entire topic didn't seem very relevant to their lives because for most of that time, it really wasn't. America printed the U.S. dollar. We controlled the global reserve currency, and that meant that for us, money was cheap. We had privileges that nobody else in the world had. It's been very nice, but what would happen if it ended? If it ended, it would be catastrophic, and it wouldn't just be for our country. You would feel the effects in every part of your life. Right now, the United States, United States can print as many dollars as it wants because we are, in, we are in charge of the global currency. But the question of what would happen if we weren't in control of the global currency comes to it comes to us in an article on ZeroHedge.com that was published yesterday, entitled, entitled De-Dollarization Has Begun. And it was written by a guy named Peter Earle from the American Institute for Economic Research. Quote, last week, China and Brazil reached an agreement to settle trades in one another's currencies. Over the past 15 years, China has replaced the United States as the main trading partner of resource-rich Brazil, which, by the way, Brazil has the second largest economy in this hemisphere, second only to the United States. And as such, that shift may have been inevitable. But within the context of recent circumstances, this appears to be yet another to be another in a series of recent blows to the central role of the dollar in global trade. As the world's reserve currency, the U.S. dollar is essentially the default currency in international trade as a global unit of account. Because of that, every central bank, treasury, exchequer, and major firm on earth keeps a large portion of their foreign exchange holdings in United States dollars. And because holders of dollars seek returns on those balances, the ubiquity of the dollar drives a su substantial portion of the demand for United States government bonds in world financial markets. Okay, so because other governments are holding United States dollars in reserve, that is, they're investing in them, it means those dollars belong to them. Okay, so it's no different than you having a gold coin or a silver coin in your, in your safe. That belongs to you. It is not property of the United States federal government. Now, if you remember back in the 30s, I believe, FDR passed what was called the Gold Confiscation Act. Why did he do that? Well, it's because most people, at, 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 right then, um, the United States was on the gold standard. That meant that you could take your money into a bank and exchange it for gold. And then later on, they printed silver notes, and you could do the same thing with silver. But the Gold Confiscation Act was passed so that everyone had to rely on dollars. That is, you wouldn't have that extra hedge in your safe. The, the only hedge that you needed was the United States dollar. Now, here's the third piece of what Tucker Carlson was saying. And then we'll go to the break and we'll finish this up. We should prepare to lose our position as holder of the world's reserve currency. That is happening in slow motion. It's unmistakable. Now, the Biden people seem to have no idea this is going on, or maybe they want it to happen. Joe Biden was up there at the State of the Union bragging about how he took 30 points off the Russian ruble in a single day. Hooray! Good for us! But once we stop celebrating our win the destruction of the Russian economy, they deserve it. You gotta wonder, is there a downside to this? Could it be a Pyrrhic victory? Let's see. These policies have driven Russia, China, India, Turkey, and other countries to accelerate their flight from the US dollar. Now, to be clear, 
That's the majority of the global economy. This may be the most reckless and destructive thing any American president has ever done to the United States. So that was last year, and at the time, it was really just yelling into the wind. Those views were considered absurd, even treasonous. Absurd and treasonous. We'll talk about why after the break. Do you like hot wings? Well, if you don't, what the heck is wrong with you? Well, my friends, I happen to be obsessed with them, and the best wings you're going to find in the state of Wyoming come from the Wing It food truck. They make the most incredible wings, and it's not just hot wings. They have several other different flavors. I personally recommend the garlic parmesan wings. They're amazing. And the way that you can figure out where that truck is going to be is go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com, and look underneath the Sponsors tab, and you can find their schedule there. That way, you can plan your entire week around where that truck is going to be. That's the Wing It Food Truck. Morton Buildings is one of the leading metal building companies in America. They manufacture a lot of their own materials, and they've been doing this longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. So it doesn't really matter if you need a garage or a barn or maybe a roping arena so you can do all of that rodeo stuff when it's 23 below zero, or perhaps a giant warehouse for your business. You should give my friends Nick and Jesse a call at 307-674-2532. Just tell them what you're thinking, and they'll handle all the details. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. And now, the conclusion to our program. And over, we heard President Trump say that one of the biggest problems with China is that they manipulate their currency. Now, what did he mean by that? Well, it's, it's pretty simple, really, that the Chinese government artificially inflated and deflated the value of their currency, depending on what they wanted to do. In other words, by themselves, they were able to get more dollars for their Chinese currency than the currency was actually worth. So... Now we're replacing dollars with the Chinese yuan. Back to the article, quote, simply replacing the fiat currency, which the United States dollar is a fiat currency. What that means is there's nothing backing it up. It's not backed by gold or silver or land or, or widgets. It's just backed by the, the fa full faith and credit of the United States of America, which I don't know if you've noticed or not, we don't have a lot of credit going on around the world. Anyway, Replacing the fiat currency of the largest economy in the world with the fiat currency of a smaller economy is hardly a viable replacement strategy. Listen to this. Moving away from the dollar brings substantial barriers to exit as well as network effects to overcome. Owing to historical, technological, financial, and habitual obstacles, the United States dollar is the de facto currency of East Timor, Ecuador, El Salvador, the Federated States of uh, Micronesia, the Marshall Islands, Palau, Panama, and Zimbabwe. 
Further, the comparatively, relatively transparent conduct of monetary policy in the United States has had no has led to no less than 22 foreign central banks and currency boards to peg their currencies to it. And dollars are the cheapest means to access and to acquire nominally risk-free United States Treasury instruments. Okay, let me let me just translate that for you. Everybody relies upon the United States dollar. All of them, all 22 of those countries. And now you have China and Russia and India. By the way, that kind of kind of represents a huge portion of the world economy pegging their their monetary policy to currencies other than the United States dollar. So in other words, if the United States loses the status of the world's reserve currency, we're no longer in control, which also means that we can't print enough money to pay for all the things that we're paying for. But there's no other option once that happens. So the United States government will have to print, which will create hyperinflation. Now, this is not some pie in the sky idea. Hyperinflation is a real thing, and it's happened over and over in the world. And I've told you about it several times on the program. Uh, probably the earliest recorded case of that was Rome. Rome inflated their currency by lowering the amount of silver in their coins. Most credible historians would point to hyperinflation as one of the reasons that the, the Roman Empire fell. Another example, which you're probably aware of, was called the Weimar Republic in Germany. Germany had taken on too much debt for World War I, and to pay those debts, they had to inflate their currency. And I think we've all seen pictures of wheelbarrows full of cash and children playing with stacks of money because their currency was worthless. Now, if you think that those are things, you know, those are old things. They happened in the past. And, you know, it's, that's history. We're, we don't have to worry about that. You need to look at Zimbabwe in 2008. In 2008, the Zimbabwe dollar was equal to the United States dollar. In one year, due to crazy amounts of government spending, the Zimbabwe dollar entered hyperinflation. And you had the same thing happen there that happened in the Weimar Republic. They had to print huge amounts of money to pay for anything. Now, if you look at any money website, um, just go research what the value of the Zimbabwe dollar is versus the United States dollar. It's a fraction of a cent, or at least it was the last time I looked at it. The point being is that we're no different. These are the laws of economics, and you know they've happened over and over in history, and there's no reason that they wouldn't happen here. But if the United States loses the status, our status as the world's reserve currency, means we're not in control of things anymore, which means the only way to get out of our $32 trillion in debt, which it won't work, is to print more money, and you will see the huge stacks of cash. Now, what effect does that have on you? Well, it means that the prices of everything are going to go through the roof, and it's going to happen exponentially fast. Um, there was a uh, uh, there was a meeting last week between you between our uh, our supposed vice president and the president of Kenya. Now, during that meeting, he looked squarely at all of his financial advisors and told them to get out of the dollar. And he said things are going to change within the next two weeks. So, how do how do you protect yourself against this? Well, you need to invest in gold and silver um, or other things that have intrinsic value. Guns are one of those things. Ammunition will be a good, a good commodity to have. But the whole point is we're entering a period in United States history that we've never before seen. And it's one that, uh, one that we're not going to get out of easily. Now, one of the, now back to Russia. Hold on, let me get a drink of water here. 
So remember the sanctions that we put on Russia, the most powerful sanctions we've ever seen. That's what President Biden said during the State of the Union. Literally, what we did is seized their stoles, their stores of United States dollars, the dollars that they were holding in reserve. That was not property of the United States of America. That was property of Russia. Now, I'm not defending Russia here, but what I'm saying, what I'm trying to do is explain to you what the United States did with those sanctions. And right now, today, the, the ruble is of exactly the same value as it was before they invaded Ukraine. So the only thing that the sanctions did was hurt United States citizens because China, Russia, India, Pakistan, and several other nations are moving away from the United States dollar. Okay, so don't don't have any illusions as to what's going to happen with our money or of what's going to happen to our life when this happens. Now, there's one more piece of the Tucker Carlson thing that I'm going to play for you. Here it is. The purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. But let's also recognize the unique nature of the sanctions that we have outlined. These are some of the greatest sanctions, if not the, the, the strongest, that we've ever issued. The president believes that sanctions are intended to deter. As to the sanctions, um, the most important thing we can do is to use them as a deterrent, uh, as a means of dissuading. Russia from engaging in further aggression. We are right now enforcing powerful economic sanctions. We're cutting off Russia's largest banks in the international financial system, preventing Russia's central bank from defending the Russian ruble, making Putin's $630 billion war fund worthless. These people are such buffoons. And all the Republican senators nodding in agreement. You watch that and you wonder if they really believe what they were telling you. If they really did believe that, they're stupider than they look. They didn't believe it. In fact, they knew that they were doing exactly the opposite. Because anytime you try to manipulate the currency, you, you're doing it intentionally. Either that or you're monumentally stupid. Um, there's, there's no possible way to get around it. And, you know, we, I make fun of them a lot. But the truth is, a lot of the people that are running our government are not really that dumb. They know exactly what they're doing. Just like Carly Provenza, just like all of them, um, they all know exactly what they're doing. But again, you should make no mistake about what's happening to the United States dollar. Countries are fleeing our currency, and they're doing so at a profound rate. So make sure that you protect yourself. Get yourself some commodities that have value, gold, silver, ammunition. Um, who knows? You may have to use, use the ammunition to shoot your next meal. <laughs> so coming up, and I want to end with just some just some things that are coming up on the program. You really need to subscribe to CowboyStatePolitics.com simply because, or not to the website, but to the podcast on Podbean, uh, because we're going to be, I'm going to be doing a lot of shows in the, in the coming week, days and weeks that uh, you need to be notified about on the, uh, on the app. You know, there's going to be a lot of things where I'm reporting from other locations um, about some big stories that I've been working on. And by big, I, I don't mean, Oh, look at what this Republican did. I'm talking about huge stories in the state of Wyoming that will have a tremendous impact on, on our state, or at least I think they will. So the way that you can keep updated is to subscribe to the podcast. Um, also, um, if you've been looking for a place to advertise your business, uh, please consider Cowboy State Politics. Um, this, this program has the lo most loyal audience that you're going to find, and you need to put your advertising dollars where they're going to count. And um, you should really consider Cowboy State Politics in doing that. 
Um, I have a proven return on your investment. So if you want to get that conversation started, uh, shoot me an email. The address is david at cowboystatepolitics.com. But for now, from the base of the Bighorns, in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Hudson. Is he one and only Cowboy State Politics? <laughs>